welcome to the podcast of tomorrow, a Futurama podcast where today we are discussing season three, episode 14, Time Keeps On Slipping. I am Lindsay Wilson, joined as always by someone who is definitely funky enough to be a globetrotter, Alex Kantz. Alex, how's it going? I'm um, very uh, pleased to Funkily. hear you say that. I think it certainly very untrue. I think my funkiness <laughs> meter is like near the bottom. <laughs> you funky enough to be a globetrotter. <laughs> I love it. all Globetrotter jokes are very funny. I, it, this episode got me thinking about when Krusty is betting on the Globetrotters. Okay, he's just spinning the ball. Take it. <laughs> Take it. Uh, the, you bet against the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, that the the Nationals were or the that's the that's the team, right? The Washington that's Nationals, I think. Who knows? <laughs> team that plays the Globetrotters. Washington Generals. Yeah, he bet on the Generals. He thought they were due. I was thinking <laughs> that might be like my favorite joke in all of the Simpsons is Krusty, <laughs> Krusty betting, against the, yeah, betting against the Globetrotters. Oh, that's incredible. Alex, I have a bit of housekeeping for you. In all of the hubbub of the last few weeks, we missed our 50th episode. Oh, yeah, that's okay. What was it? I don't know, but it happened. Yeah. <laughs> One second, I will tell you what it was, but I just saw that I posted and it was like, congratulations on your like 52nd episode or whatever. And uh, I feel like the the episode or the that data is like slightly off because there's been like occasional reposting, but yeah. maybe not on this feed. Yeah, not on this uh, feed, maybe. I don't think so. I think the Cyberhouse Rules was episode number 50. So that okay. was the orphan episode. Yes. Also known as the frat house episode of, oh, we're going down to cyber house. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no, I don't think we've had any reposts here. So, yeah, good. So happy 52nd episode, Alex. We did it. One for every week of the year. Yes. If you are just discovering us, you can listen to one a week for a whole year. We've probably been pretty. We I think we took like two or three long breaks, but I think we've probably been doing this for like a year and a half. Yes, I think that is right. I can tell you exactly when we began, which was May 19th, 2022. Yeah. That's not bad. So, pretty good. Pretty good. Well, congratulations. Lindsay, <laughs> to our 150 week? loyal listeners. Thank you. I, I don't even think we have that many. <laughs> 132 is the highest. <laughs> but they're loyal. In weeks. They are yes. loyal. I'm very excited to give the update about whether or not Twitter was destroyed. I got my... I got my calendar notification yesterday of destroy Twitter <laughs> at noon on Tuesday. Good. When and I was listening we'll back up. to that, the fact that you called it destroy Twitter really cracked me up. <laughs> yeah. So we'll update at the end, end of the show to, to talk about whether or not you can you can contact, contact us there anymore. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. What did you think of Time Keeps On Slipping? Time Keeps On Slipping, I thought was very funny. Loved the, all the Harlem Globetrotter stuff. Famously your favorite comedy. Yes. I realized kind of like halfway into it that, oh, this is like a big episode for the series. Like I, it all kind of started to piece together. I remembered moving the stars for I Love You. I remember this being one that felt like, you know, more dramatic than the others, more focused on Brian Leela than the other. So I like halfway through it, I was kind of like keyed into like, oh yeah, this is like a bigger one. And I went and looked up like lists like best feature on the list after this and yeah this was like number 10 on one number five mm -hmm. on one so i think uh i think that's accurate this is a pretty well respected one i think they kind of dropped the ball in the last minute of it i think i do not um, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> they they dropped the ball off the spinning finger of the, the globe trotter <laughs> i think that Fry is just kind of like an incel in this episode yes and 
does not I don't like that the the way that they end the episode. I think that the like sentimentality is unearned or Fry seems kind of, you know, needy and undeserving. Like, you know, he it doesn't land in the way that I would hope that it lands. And yeah, I'm curious to see. Like, I think that Holophone landed much better. Yes. So, yeah, I think it was a very funny episode. I was having a good time through a lot of the episode. I had keyed in that this is a big episode and then like was a little bit disappointed by the like ultimate like emotional twist at the end. Yeah, I think I agree with that. I think during the aforementioned Cyber House rules, we noted a similar thing of Fry being like, why don't you like me? <laughs> like she doesn't yeah. have to like you just because you like her. And this is right. kind of the same thing of that of like, yeah, just I know I did something to make you love me and I'm going to figure out what it was. And I do think that his apology of if I tricked you, I am sorry. I don't know mm-hmm. what I did, but if I tricked you, I'm sorry about that. I do think that that works okay. Or he's at least acknowledging like, yeah, maybe I did do something bad. Yeah, so I think that part's good, but I agree with you. I think the rest of it falls a little bit flat where even with the tragic echoey whistling of the Globetrotter theme song in the background, I don't know that it really lands and makes you feel super sympathetic for Fry at the end of this. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I thought the exact same thing. Like the apology is like moving in the right direction. But the thing that like kind of disappointed me at the end is Fry like sees what he's done. He sees that he's like moved the stars to write the love letter. Mm -hmm. And I think what they did well in the like holophone episode is that fry does not like force this thing on leela like he's just like quietly sitting in his apartment trying to get better at the holophone as it mm-hmm. that will be like a show of affection towards leela and this is like i did this thing come see it like didn't you see it like like this was the answer and i feel like if they ended that episode on him being more like oh that's what i did for her now i like know my feelings about her i know how to express myself about her i've learned something about myself and like internalized it rather than like trying to show it to leela again to like win her over again that would made me like it more but yeah he just feels like a sucker for like like oh there it is let me go show it to her and then she'll she'll be in love with me that's like just so misguided and yeah yeah i think that's right i think partly because yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. I think the holophoner thing works exactly what you're saying. He's like quietly working away at it. And this is trying to go, I think, for the same thing where he's been quietly learning how to use the ship and he taught himself how to mm-hmm. use the gravity pump or whatever. But like Leela can do that too. And the right. sort of special <laughs> thing about the holophoner was like only a handful of people can do it. And you're clearly working really, really hard and are moved to practice whatever so you can express your feelings. Whereas this is just like, yeah, I can do the same thing that you're equally capable of doing. I don't know. It doesn't land in the same way, I think. That's interesting. I didn't even think about that. I, I think that that's true. I, I don't know. For me, it's like if he if he like showed competence mm-hmm. at driving the spaceship, nor, like, I don't know. I think just like the idea of this grand gesture is going to mm-hmm. be the one unlocked for you falling in love with yeah. me is like so yeah problematic and misguided and like kind of gross that and i guess the holophoner thing is like kind of the same thing where he's practicing for this big romantic gesture that he hopes changes the tides but Mm -hmm. it feels it feels yeah better or more romantic or whatever compared to him just like needingly being like no like look at those stars see what i've done right and i think the holophoner too the sort of special thing about it is he's able to communicate through music something that he's not able to do verbally Mm -hmm. versus this is just like you're right i love you with stars and it's like yeah okay right cool it's like that's your boom box over your head 
moment or whatever. Right. It also seems <laughs> shocking to me that Leela's going to marry him on the basis of that gesture alone. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So maybe that's all that the gesture itself is like just the gesture. You know, he's yeah. still like a weirdo dude. Yeah. Yeah. Like you moved a bunch of stars already. <laughs> he's just moved yeah. somewhere. I don't know. She knows it can be done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like provide value. Like, oh, show her that you can like drive the spaceship when she needs to go, you know, do something else on the ship. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Be useful. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, but that being said, very, very funny episode. There were a bunch of lines yes. that I had highlighted <laughs> as these are great lines, incredible stuff. Yeah. The last episode, I think I had highlighted just like, I want, I do want to spend a nightmarish time in a robot asylum or whatever. And, and then this <laughs> one, I was doing that a lot more. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I loved, I loved a lot of this very, very funny episode. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. Let's dive into it. But the opening caption on this one is for proper viewing, take red pill now, which th- made me think, I can't believe the Matrix is that old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were actually able to make re- Matrix references in this episode. What are your thoughts on the Matrix? Uh, have you seen it and its respective I have, sequels? I have seen the three original ones mm-hmm. and was very into them in my youth i remember it oh, wow. being one of the films you refused to watch as a yeah, yeah, frightened yeah. famously teen. the one that i uh, <laughs> persuaded the sleepover group to not watch because i was too afraid <laughs> yeah no i think i i have seen all of them well the, the first three several times but have never mm-hmm. seen the new one or they're just one. I was, yeah there's just one new one i was very excited for that new one when i heard it was being released and it was pretty bad and yeah. my main memory was having horrible food poisoning during it we got takeout chinese food and that was the night when i realized i can no longer eat takeout chinese food <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah <laughs> a good association a symbol if yeah. you will yeah. <laughs> all right and then boop corner alex what do you have boop daddies this is a very interesting boop corner i have a real life cat fighting the clown guy Right. So this is called The Clown's Little Brother from 1920. And it links to Out of the Inkwell, which is something that we have flagged before. Max Fleischer, rotoscope guy. Talk about him mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything specific here about to the clown. Let's see. Mm, yeah. Yeah, I, the clown, that, you know. yeah, exactly. But yeah, the, the notable thing here is that, yeah, it's like either a rotoscoped animated cat or it's like live action footage of a cat. And the animated guy is like playing with it. But yeah, very, very distinctive. Yes, very much so. We've we've discussed this guy at length, but all right. So we open up the episode. It is Central Park Lake. Mm-hmm. Hermes is playing fetch with Zoidberg, who is eating the frisbee. <laughs> very very warm moment between these two. Very unusual. Very true to Central Park. I guess that it's nice that this is like a thing that has continued over the past twenty years. But yeah, lots of people. I mean, the like swan boats, of course, are iconic, but. Yeah, just like pic- picnics in Central Park, people like sunbathing in Central Park, mm-hmm. playing frisbee, all that stuff. Still, still like a number one activity in New York. Have you ever taken out one of these swan boats? <laughs> I've never done one of the swan boats. They're very expensive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I heard on a podcast someone once was like, yeah, you pay for it. And then five minutes in, you're like, well, now what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now we're out here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it turns out that Fry's just been like harassing swans. Yeah, my most of my Central Park activities have been like board game meetups, like, oh, we're going to go play Jordan Kalish Mafia in Central Park, or there's always like aerialists, like practice, like incredibly buffed, strong gymnasts, (laughs) like practicing, like lifting each other, like off in a corner of the park. And you're like, okay, I'm I'm playing I'm playing Mafia and eating chips as you're like (laughs) performing incredible activities. 
Yeah, I've been to Central Park a couple of times. I went the last time I was there would have been following the Philadelphia RHAP event. We went to New York mm-hmm. the next day and like looked at cherry blossoms. Yeah, very pretty. Yes. So yeah, all of a sudden a spaceship comes down and everyone starts freaking out. And I have written here, this is the least bike race of all in that the event just happens in the first minute of the episode. <laughs> I mean, all of the, I actually was thinking, I was thinking about bike races and how whether or not this was a bike race thing. I think the whole Harlem Globetrotter thing is a bit bike race. It is a bit bike race, yeah. We want to do (laughs) a bunch of Harlem Globetrotter slash slash Space Jam jokes, and it's going to be that whole first act. And it continues, you know, Ethan Bubblegum Tate continues into the other acts, but it's not so much about basketball. Yes, I did eventually sort of walk that back in my notes where I was like, maybe this was all bike race all (laughs) (laughs) because the time skipping doesn't actually happen until like 15 minutes in. But yeah, so that's fine. The other thing I just like want to flag and I realized that I had thought it earlier when we were discussing the episode overall, I think the Fry being obsessed with Leela stuff comes a bit out of nowhere again. Like here he's being like, let's go in the swan boats. Like I wonder Mm. if it would have worked better in the production order. I wonder if the broadcast order is making it feel a bit out of nowhere. Like, what's the last time Fry meaningfully was like, I am into Leela? Didn't they have like a kiss on the cheek recently or something? Or I mean, is that this? Yeah. Episode that... He was like, I'll continue never washing my face again or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was that episode? That was uh, The Insane Asylum? Yeah. And then he, like she also kisses him in that episode and to try to make him come That's back right. to being a human again. But mm-hmm. as far as like them being in love or whatever i feel like that has been a while yeah that's fair i think i think i had kind of yeah clocked the like comic references to their romance i think that that has been like increasing but yeah i think that they it's been a while since they've done something like genuine with their romance or like yeah something sentimental yes agreed all right so yeah so into the bike race (laughs) the harlem globetrotters (laughs) show up from the Globetrotter homeworld, and they are led by Ethan Bubblegum Tate, a great name. And mm-hmm. for no reason, we challenge you to defend your honor on the basketball court. Yes, there's nothing at stake, and there is no threat beyond the shame of defeat. Mm-hmm. Yes, and he throws a basketball that kind of looks like Earth into the trash. Everyone's so <laughs> mad. <laughs> yes. Have you ever seen the Harlem Globetrotters? No, I can't say that I have. My sister entered a, I think it was a newspaper contest and won front row seats to the Harlem Globetrotters and like got to go out on like center court at halftime and like got a picture and a signed ball. And it was all very exciting. It's so cool. Did you get to go? I did. Yeah, I did go. I was like very young. I was probably like in kindergarten, so I don't remember a ton of it. But maybe that's why it was so formative in your love of Globetrotter humor. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Wow. It's just Um, like such a bizarre niche. Like I think. Does anyone know about the Globetrotter? Does anyone, similar to is anyone watching Bullet right now on planet Earth, (laughs) does any, you know, Gen Z, Gen Alpha uh, child know what the Harlem Globetrotters are? Like, is this a thing that still exists? Yeah, I don't know. I would say maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it's a good question. Jeremy will tell us. When the professor gets really angry, he's like, I'll take you on, you airballing bozos. And then Bubblegum Tate says, like, sweet Clyde, laugh derisively at him. And then I had the captions (laughs) on, and it says, laughing derisively. (laughs) (laughs) It's very funny. I mean, great voice acting for the derisive laughter, very aggressive laughing, and then immediately stopping and looking angry. Yes, yes, very good. Yeah, so this is where it starts getting very Space Jam. Famously Space Jam, arguably my favorite movie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. <laughs> watch it every year on my birthday. But wow. I also had my mind blown by the Futurama wiki, which informed me that Billy West, the voice of Philip J. Fry himself, is also the voice of Bugs Bunny in Space Jam. Wow. That is very exciting. Incredible stuff. Worlds colliding. <laughs> <laughs> Do you still watch it every year on your birthday? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love Incredible. it so much. Sometimes I don't get through <laughs> it anymore because I'm so tired. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in case we have I at least out. started. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Very sweet. Yes. All right. So, yeah, the professor's like, oh, I'll keep you, put you in your place with my team of mutant atomic supermen. And <laughs> it's really just a bunch of like little babies in a hamster cage. Yes. So they, this kind of the, where the real plot starts that mm-hmm. they need to rapidly age these up. And so they need to go like harvest these time particles. Mm-hmm. Chronotons. And Bender's sort of like, oh, aren't those the particles that destroyed a civilization? Off you go. (laughs) Yeah. Something about them harvesting these chronotons. I feel like they're just like getting more in their groove in terms of like having very self-contained and very like basically good sci-fi of like something Mm -hmm. about them harvesting these chronotons and like just the idea of time skipping is like a really good sci-fi premise. And it reminded me of Bender becoming God. I don't know what it was about the like nebula yeah. that they're in when they're harvesting the, the time particles, but it made me think of that episode. And that's like another episode where it's like, oh, this is like, they're very focused on an interesting sci-fi premise, which is I think when Futurama is at its best. And I think that they're just like kind of starting to hit their groove mm-hmm. in this like late season three. We'll see when the Bender becomes God is. I don't know when that episode comes up, but uh, I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if it's around, you know, if it's in the next 20 episodes of the show. Soon, I would think we're closing in on the end of season three, and I would have thought that it would be quite early in season four. So, yeah, it's well planted. So, yeah, I, and I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but it's just like, yeah, it's more focused. And then even just like the animation is like looking a little bit like better in all of these <laughs> space related things. Yes. Yeah, no, it looks great. And I agree. I think this is a really fun conceit for uh, initially. I was like, oh, this doesn't really make sense what's going on. But I feel like they kind of dig into it uh, in a way that is sort of satisfying. So uh, we will get there as they learn more. But yeah, they put all the chronotons in one of those little like hamster water bottles and all the little babies are drinking from it. And I I like the professor (laughs) being like mere atomic super boys right now. (laughs) Yes. Do you have a favorite of these atomic baseball or basketball players i don't know i can't really distinguish that many of them i do think of i always like the line it's like he's really showing us what a man with a cannon in his chest can do (laughs) yes right so we got man with cannon chest we have man who's a spider stretchy arms um, stretchy arm guy those are the three that come to mind as well do any of the other ones jump out to you not really what else do they do atomic supermen Uh, futurama oh yeah there's the one that has like extra arms Sure. And then one that has like laser eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not really used a ton. Yeah, not so much. Yeah. I think my first pick is Cannon Man. Yes, I think so. And then Arachneon. He's the one that uh, gets killed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, Cannon, Cannon Man shoots him. I guess the loser of the episode as his tradition, the one that the one that dies. Yes. Uh, his name is Tharias. Yes. I like the guy with many arms is named Armo. Armo, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at that too. Very good. All right. So I just have in my notes, one is a spider guy. <laughs> <laughs> Very good note. Yeah. So we go to Madison Cube Garden and they say it promises to be a by the numbers athletic contest with no surprises <laughs> whatsoever. Yeah. Very good. Perfect Harlem Globetrotter jokes here. <laughs> there's a kiff guy as the referee it looks a lot like a stretchy kiff guy but in black oh, and yes. white 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I like that the referee is these aliens that have like, yeah, black and white referee uniform as their skin. Mm-hmm. Yes, and the Globetrotters are doing their Globetrotter things. And then Zoidberg, I think, laughs. And he's like, who dares laugh at the gestures of Dunk? We came to terrify and humiliate you, not tickle your funny bones. Yes, watch as I pass this ball to Curly Joe, only to have it remain in my hands with elastic. Mm-hmm. Yes, and everyone's booing. They're very upset. <laughs> and then the Superman are winning at halftime. The riots from downtown. That's when he says the thing about he's showing us what a man with a cannon in his he's chest really can do. showing us what a man with a can- uh, cannon in his chest can do. This is uh, Marv Albert. Uh, I don't really know who this is, but I'm sure Jeremy will get on our case for not knowing that. Yes, surely. Surely we could Google these things. And yet, yes. and yet we don't. <laughs> yes, the professor gets very upset about the showboating. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I love his little animation for, for the one that the cannon man is showboating. He like flexes <laughs> and... Uh... Yes, very good. It's very yeah. memorable. <laughs> so once we get into the second half, there's a weird glitch in the game and everything has jumped forward. And <laughs> the commentator guy that you just mentioned, and I've forgotten his name already, but he says something very strange has happened in this basketball game between space clowns and atomic <laughs> monsters. <laughs> yes. All, all so fun. Just so many good lines. Yes, it's one of those episodes where you could just like quote the whole thing and have like no <laughs> commentary on it, but very good. Yes, and it seems that they're lurching forward randomly in time and no one really knows why, but then they decide that it's probably has to do with the time particles that they use to grow the Superman and it is ripping space and time apart. Yes, they use the metaphor like a needle on a record player, which I think Lost rips this off. I, that sounds like some season five Lost stuff to me of mm-hmm. trying to explain the time jumping of we're skipping on a record. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, and this is where the I have cannon guy kills spider guy. And <laughs> so Fry suggests that he should go in. And he's like, I've got skills. I'm like Will said, skills pay the bills. <laughs> and he says, like, what's possibly going to go wrong? We're 35 points ahead and have two minutes left. And then it just time skips ahead to the score being 244 to 86 for the Globetrotters. Yes, uh, Bubblegum says that they are all fools of, at the highest caliber. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've always, always really enjoyed this where... <laughs> Hermes says, exactly I'm just glad my... say. <laughs> yeah. well, yes, I'm just glad my fat ugly mama isn't alive to see this day. And uh, the professor says, Enough about your promiscuous mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you love the uh, professor. I feel like the professor is making you laugh the most often. I think he's my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I just love the way he says things. It's very good. <laughs> but anyway, the professor is now going to say like, no, oh, this is really serious. And Bubblegum offers to help. And it turns out he's the senior lecturer in physics at Globetrotter <laughs> University. So uh, multi-talented, this guy. Yeah, exactly. What a what an athlete. Mm-hmm. Yes, this chronological wang dang doodle could destroy the matrix of reality. I, I'm interested. Uh, this is mostly a question for Jeremy. But if other listeners have ideas, what are the real athletes that are most like bubblegum in terms of like having a successful academic career after after athletics. I know that so J.R. Smith was a big personality knucklehead on the Denver Nuggets in like 2008, 2009. I think he eventually got NBA championships on Miami Heat eventually, but he's like, I was always so frustrated with him. He was always like such a frustrating player to watch, but I believe he has a reality show where he then went to college after his uh, <laughs> NBA career. And it's like, I'll, I'll have to look it up. But so that's my, that's why one reference of like an athlete then pursuing academics. But I wonder if there are other good ones out there. Oh, I famously know nothing about athletes, but I do know that Brian May, the guitarist for the band Queen, has a PhD in astrophysics. So wow. that's something. <laughs> Damn. But yeah, this show is Redefined, colon, J.R. Smith a TV series from 2023. All right. Well, 
add that to your collective Alex recommendation list. <laughs> uh, I, I actually can't recommend it. I will only be recommending <laughs> 24 until the pilot mm. is watched, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, I really liked the line from the professor where he's like, something involving that many big words could easily destabilize time itself. And then that's how yeah. we decide that this is important. Yeah, that's good. So time keeps skipping forward randomly, and it seems like the newscaster is like unaffected in a way. And that's where I was like, I'm not sure this really makes sense because it was like, time keeps skipping forward randomly. Details at 11. This is the news at 11. And I was like, what? Why is everyone just like moving forward as if they've done things? And then they say, it seems we all behave normally during the time skips, but then have no memory of it. It is it is very inconsistent. And, you know, I hope somebody got fired for that blunder kind of discourse <laughs> of us nitpicking this. Uh, I saw in the Futurama wiki, somebody was complaining about the biggest inconsistency was right after the basketball game. They like time jump and the circus is being set up, mm-hmm. but they're always like still standing in the same place or like time hasn't yeah. moved for them. And they're saying, oh, that's an inconsistency with how it works throughout the rest of the episode. But who cares? Yeah, who cares? Exactly. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this is where we find out that Bender is actually like a huge Globetrotter fan. We haven't really yes. been introduced yet at this point. And he's now going to spend the rest of the episode just being like, oh my God, bubblegum. <laughs> yeah. Very sweet. I was thinking about how I complain about Bender a lot, but then I always talk about how I love it when he is sweet and earnest. And I was thinking about how maybe I am giving maybe I'm not giving annoying Bender enough credit of like the sweet Bender moments really shine because ha- of how annoying yes. he is all of the time. And so hit, seeing him just be like fan bo- fanboying over the Globetrotters is great this whole episode. I love Bender this entire episode. Yeah, I agree. And I had the same thought. And I, as I was watching this, I was thinking about how last week we had talked about how people like Bender and we don't really like Bender. And I compared yeah. it to thinking Homer is the best character or whatever. And I think that we often comment on how much we like when Homer has the sweet moments. And I think it reminded me a bit again of that, of like, oh, we can only have these beautiful, cute moments because of how crass he can be. And like, there's yeah. a moment later in the episode where Bender is going to go, well, you teach me how to make cupcakes. <laughs> and just yeah. like, oh, <laughs> it's too much. It's too cute. So yes, I agree. I think that it really lets him shine because he can be such an ass the rest of the time. Yeah. And what a great thing for Bender to be obsessed with, like whimsical basketball. Uh, yes. Very much great. like yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So then we get like a very strange little moment here where Hermes is like, I know how to stop the skipping. And then he's just like playing the steel drums while everyone is conging in the nude. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. A couple, like kind of montage of skipping. The the one at the very start of this segment was the uh, newscasters uh, and they're, they're reporting on the teen singer Wendy then they skip forward and she's no longer a teen she won three Grammys and they skip forward again and she's found dead in a bathtub so they do like a couple of these like time skipping style montage jokes yes and like we have some birthday stuff there's a very funny moment where Fry says that he built a time proof shelter for him and Leela but it's just like a weird sex closet and mm-hmm. he's like when we're in here time will stand still but the thing that I found very funny is Leela then leaves like we cut to Fry with a black eye because clearly she hated this and Leela goes mm-hmm. to Zoidberg to complain and time skips forward and she's being like he does the worst WC Fields imitation I've ever seen <laughs> just like where does this come from? That's funny. I was uh, shocked as you were talking about that, I guess. Yeah, the uh, Fry like sex pad was mm-hmm. like one of the things that made me feel like the whole episode fell apart of like Fry mm-hmm. is just like not vibing with Leela at all. This is like mm-hmm. weird and creepy. And so you shouldn't expect your like random romantic gesture at the end of the day to win her over. 
so yeah, I, I really did not like the fry sex pad, but yeah, I did like Leela complaining about it to Zoidberg and Zoidberg getting bored and just watching TV <laughs> in the middle of her of her. Yeah, I was like, you're not even listening. It's like, sorry, you must have been boring me. <laughs> I like that Leela says that she loves his boyish charm, but hates his child childishness. Yes, uh, yeah. can't have it both ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then we cut upstairs, and the prof is smelling around with the smelloscope, looking for the Tempest Nebula, and he says he's detected the odor of pure time leaking. Yes. A couple of like quick time jumps to get this process moving of them having to fix the whole process by moving the stars. I, I love that they time jump to their badass gravity pump proposal, mm-hmm. like a very formal proposal. Yes. Yeah, that was good. I like, and there's one good visual gag here where Bubblegum's explaining everything and he's just like puts the basketball on the professor's head and it's just spinning on top of <laughs> Keeps his Keeps rotating. Yeah. yeah. But I think like, I think this is one of the things that works really well with the time skips for this episode where just like the conceit of it allows them to be like, yeah, this is going to take forever. And then they just skip ahead and like, okay, yeah. now we have to, yeah. So as you were saying, he says, we're going to need a, we're going to need all the money on earth for this, for one badass gravity pump. And then it just cuts ahead to them holding a badass gravity pump proposal and then cuts ahead again. <laughs> and they're like, here's your money. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I like how they're able to just like fly through the plot that we don't care about. Exactly. Yeah, we're able to just skip all of it. It's like, oh, okay, well, how long is it going to take to build it? And it's like, okay, well, here it is. Like, now we begin the arduous process of attaching it to the ship. Like, skips forward again. Okay, (laughs) that's done too. Off you go, apparently. Kind of reminds me of the new season episodes. One of the ones that I liked more was the time traveling Christmas or Xmas episode. And again, maybe I was just thinking of it because like time travel is like such an obvious comparison to this episode. But that episode I also felt like was very well contained, like Mm -hmm. very well thought out sci-fi premise and yeah so it's just it's just great when they do these like things that are interesting and make sense rather than just a planet of the week or something like that so they get into space and i do like leela she's moving the stars and she's like just a few more (laughs) hundred thousand miles (laughs) yeah i like that too I love Bender in this scene. He he's telling Bubblegum that he's made his own Globetrotter uniform, and it's like a very crudely drawn star <laughs> on the on the jersey. And Bubblegum like immediately wants to take advantage of it. Of like, oh, can I see it? And Bender shows it to him, and he says, "Hello, lawsuit." Yes, <laughs> lawsuit. Yeah, I don't think we said what the point of this was, but they're moving all the stars to try to create like a black hole or something, so that it'll suck in all of the chronotons or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Or no, maybe they're just like planning on using the gravity from the stars. I think the, the black hole thing comes later. But apparently there, it seems like there must be no time skips while they're doing this because they're just like slowly working away at moving the stars. That and, is a good uh, point. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I think, the point where I found Fry to be the most sort of incel-ish where he's like, oh, the way you moved the stars was so wonderful. And I bought you the champagne and you'll go out with me. <laughs> just like, oh, my God, like, stop. <laughs> I actually found so I found this to be like more self-aware than the sex dungeon where yeah, or at least a, <laughs> a, a line that I wrote down was I got her champagne. I opened it. What else does a guy have to do? Like mm-hmm. that's like very clearly tongue in cheek of like, right. like, look how stupid Fry is being. And I mean, I'm sure that the sex pad is like they're trying trying to go for the same thing of like, look how yeah. goofy and weird Fry is. But it just comes off as a lot slimier. And this comes off as like to me, it came off as like, oh, he's just a dumb guy like yeah th- this to me sort of felt a bit like nice guy right where he's like i right. even opened it like i'm buying right. her stuff 
Yeah. And yeah, and this is where we get the bubblegum might let me hold a bake sale for the Globetrotter wives. Will you teach me to make yeah. cakes? Very cute vendor. Very sweet. Yep. All right. So uh, bubblegum says that Fry needs to win Leela over with a three-point romantic gesture. <laughs> so that's when Fry reveals that he has learned how to use the ship and the gravity pump. And then he's like, oh, are we dating now? Yeah. Terrible advice from bubblegum. Uh, maybe bubblegum's an incel and he just has to rely only on sports. Yes, he's very talented, though, and very smart. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and so Fry's like, all right, so I know there's some amazing thing I can do for you. And Leela is in the process of saying there's no way that you and I will ever. And then it cuts to their wedding as they are being declared husband and wife. Yes. Uh, Like, interesting. I'm down for this. I'm I'm interested to see, like, okay, what happened to get to this point? Like, again, very good use of the conceit in this episode. Yes, I agree completely. Yeah, the time skips clearly haven't stopped and they have introduced an interesting thing of like, how on earth did we get here where they're getting married? And Leela's instantly just like, oh, you must have tricked me, which is not something that you want to feel. Like if that's how she feels about Fry, that like he's capable of tricking her into marriage. This is clearly not, she's not into this guy. (laughs) Right. And also like, I mean, I guess it's really hard to put yourself in the perspective of I have time jumped and I'm confused Mm -hmm. as to how I'm here and like, you know, I don't know my own feelings, but it's like being tricked into having feelings for some someone is not a thing that can happen or like, yeah. I don't know, yeah. like what a bizarre thing to think that that has happened. Yeah. She says like, maybe you hypnotize me or something. And he says hypnosis sure. is for losers with big weird eyebrows. <laughs> and uh, then we skip ahead to the divorce being finalized. And <laughs> Zoidberg's very funny here where he keeps being like but you still have Zoidberg and then at the very end of the scene he's going to be like Zoidberg <laughs> yeah. and uh, also also very threatening of you still have Zoidberg you all still have Zoidberg <laughs> yes exactly a good little half second joke here where he's like I can't figure out what I did and they're like maybe you're a fantastic lover and Amy's like no it's not that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that was good uh, I like that they, in the divorce, are splitting up the China, which is China with the NFL helmets on them. And she gets the NFC helmets and he gets the AFC helmets, which he's upset about. Yeah, it's like, fine, break my heart again. Not a joke that landed for me, but surely for someone. I So I'm an AFC boy because the Broncos were in the AFC and I've of always course. considered NFC boring. So there you go. <laughs> I don't know if that's, yeah, again, Jeremy or some sports related person or like the butcher. You can also write in and let us know if you have <laughs> yeah. thoughts on this. But is, is NFC viewed as the premier league and AFC is the, you know. I couldn't natural. have less to contribute to this line of, <laughs> line of questioning. Yes. All right. So you see the professor now uh, looking at Bubblegum's math from earlier. And he's like, oh, we should have known that this wasn't going to work. Moving chronotons is mathematically impossible. I knew I should have checked your showboat and Globetrotter algebra. Yeah, he says the Globetrotter's algebra is all razzmatazz. Yes, I love that so much. So funny. You're right. (laughs) I do love the professor. (laughs) I get a lot of TikToks that's um, a guy solving kind of like SAT, like harder than SAT questions. It's probably like solving like GRE level math questions and it's very satisfying it's just like watching somebody like walk through the steps of algebra and like very well articulated and lots of visuals there's they're often like geometry problems it's like one of the I find myself like hyper fixated on this TikTok and two minutes will go by and I'll be like oh my god what a what a pleasurable experience of uh I like your TikTok algorithm is very eliminating yeah (laughs) all right so 
now it's getting worse and it looks like the isolated, there are just like isolated spots where the time is jumping ahead by years at a time. And so we have to call in the finest scientific minds in the universe and we just see the rest of the Globetrotters are now there. (laughs) (laughs) They're all great. I guess maybe they're all professors. Yeah. And so they decide they have to implode the nebula and that's going to make a black hole that will stop more chronotons from leaking out. And again, oh my God, all of the lines I have highlighted are professor lines, but mm-hmm. they're like, well, we would need a doomsday device. And this thing comes up from the floor and the professor goes, I suppose I could part with one and still be feared. <laughs> yeah. I like the diversity of all of his different doomsday, doomsday devices. Like yes. there's some like chemistry ones or some that just look like bombs. Yes. He has a lot of options. <laughs> still be feared. Yeah. Very yeah. good. But everyone in the room is named an honorary globetrotter and Bender comes rushing in. It's like, no, sorry, you missed it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, are you funky enough to be a globetrotter? Are you? That was probably that was that's the line from this that Jeremy and I quoted the most. <laughs> yeah, Bender's like, please let me come with you. I want to be a globetrotter. He's like, all right, you have to ask yourself, are you funky enough to be a globetrotter? Like, yes. Are you? Yeah. Well, with, with time, time, my, my funk funk level. Level. <laughs> Are you? <laughs> no. Oh, we should have done it as a dramatic reading, but I stepped yeah. on your lines. Uh, <laughs> So Bender goes and puts the doomsday device in the nebula and he says that he doesn't have to be careful with it because his life and by extension, everyone else's is meaningless because he'll never be a globetrotter. Yes. And Lila's just like, Roger. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> so yeah, this is where Fry apologizes to Lila and says, I don't think I tricked you, but if I did, I'm sorry. And I don't think anything I could do will ever make you feel the same way about me that I do about you. And Lila's just like, yep. We'll always be friends, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I think all of this is great. Like, again, they're they're like, they're right there. Leela kisses him on the cheek. I think it's very sweet. Like, she doesn't mm-hmm. want to hurt his feelings. She doesn't want to make him upset. But she also doesn't want to be with him and, you know, values that friendship. And so I think Leela does a great job here. I think Fry does a great job here of, like, apologizing and speaking his feelings. And I wish they just, like, left it more on this note than, like, what ends up happening. Yes, agreed. Leela... Or no, for, yeah, for, Leela offers to let Fry steer the ship to demonstrate his new competency, and that's supposed to like make him feel better while she's dealing with the detonator. And Bender walks out sadly, whistling the Globetrotter song. <laughs> and as Fry is like backing out, he realizes what he did, and that it's, he has made the stars say, "I love you, Leela." Mm-hmm. Think of the uh, think of the devastation to like all the planets and the uh, I know <laughs> gravity wells. Just horrible act by Fry. Yes, agreed. I had the same thought of like Fry moving all these things, like think what you did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> things that you've changed because of this. But he says, I moved the stars themselves to write her a love note in the sky. And Leela is playing with the detonator. So she blows it up before she can see it. And Fry is devastated. Yes. Yeah, we kind of covered this. This is, yeah, it's bummer to me that Fry like is upset that this is detonated rather than like internalizing what Leela actually wants and, mm-hmm. and working off of that. Yes, I agree. I, yeah, I feel like it feels a bit cheap to Leela too to be like, this is all it takes. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, I guess we'll do winners and losers and then we can talk about things from the wiki of which I have several. <laughs> sure. <laughs> winners of the episode. Who we get? Mm, it arrives back at the status quo for pretty much everyone. Yes. So I don't think a ton of people won. Maybe Professor and the Globetrotters for like... Mm-hmm successfully being scientists and averting disaster yes plus the globetrotters won the game so the globetrotters did win the game yeah we'll give it to the globetrotters they won the game they resolved the the crisis yeah great win by the globetrotters 
Yes, agreed. Always their plan to have the wrong algebra at halftime or whatever. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. And then losers, I guess, by our rule, we have to give it to the spider guy. I think Spider Guy tied with all of the civilizations that were dependent on the stars that were <laughs> black holes slash moved. Yes, agreed. All right. Things from the wiki. I already mentioned the Billy West Bugs Bunny thing. Incredible. Next, the nuclear mutant with a chest-mounted cannon backs up Farnsworth's claim, Farnsworth claim from the episode Put Your Head on My Shoulders, where he said he could graft a cannon on Fry's chest to crush those who disobey him. <laughs> wow. Pretty good. Very good. And also, according to the audio commentary, the mutant with the yellow hair is modeled after Dennis Rodman. Okay. Politician Dennis Rodman going to... Did you hear about this? He went to North Korea to be like a diplomat? Yes, I'd forgotten that. I was like, I think you're wrong about who Dennis Rodman is. (laughs) (laughs) Incredible. All right. And also, Alex, we had some more controversy with the wiki this week, Mm -hmm. which I don't think we've addressed. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, would you like to... So this was, if if listeners recall, the Deep South, the episode where they go underwater and Fry meets like the Southern mermaid and strikes up a relationship with her. That had some highly problematic Wikipedia, Futurama Wiki entries, all, all by one user who we valiantly fought off. And surprise, <laughs> surprise, this user returns in this episode. So we will have to spend some time fighting them off. But yeah, would you like to describe what's happening here yeah it's the same as last time it's super problematic we do not endorse uh the same user every single time keeps posting all this shit about how fry likes leela because she's beautiful and amy is repulsive and he just like spends so much time being like amy is objectively unattractive and it's so weird and i hate it (laughs) (laughs) this is why the so there seems to be two futurama wikis there's futurama.fandom.com which is the one that Mm -hmm. we're talking about and then there's also the Infosphere, which yes. I think I think Futurama.fandom.com is losing out to the Infosphere because they got crazy stuff up on their on their pages, mm-hmm. and Infosphere just has more more interesting information. Yeah, the Fandom.com one running amok with the garbage opinions yes. and problematic <laughs> views. So, so we yeah. will. Yeah, perhaps perhaps in the in this coming week, I will do some editing and see see what happens. All right. Good. Good. All right. So that's great. Alex, is there any point in me getting you to guess next week? Did you already watch it? I did not already watch it, no. Great. Okay. Well, I've already watched it. (laughs) (laughs) We may get something out next week or we might take a Christmas break. We will see. But just in case, the next episode is called I Dated a Robot. Okay. Fry, I will guess, is the dater in question here as like the the only person like actively dating, I feel like, and he's going to date a robot. All right. Yeah. I mean, try, try dates a robot. That's my guess. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Wow. The Infosphere one has much better information. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. We're moving over to the Infosphere from now on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So how can people get in touch with us, Alex? Right. So here is the update on was Twitter destroyed? Very excitingly, a single listener. So we're destroying Twitter because a daily occurrence of bots. One one bot per day follows us. The the last the last one is Aria Grace Winkle. She has one post. It seems to be very AI written. It says this is this is her one post. So this is not this is not our real listener that follows us. This is the bot. She posts. I had heard enough about it to God knows yet somehow it didn't bring any image with it. No more than if I had been told of an angel or a fiend was in there. 
<laughs> it feels very much like hit the middle button every time or something. Yeah. So that's like the majority of our followers at this point. But great listener. I guess username is Garfield. But <laughs> certainly a real listener is, is retweeting stuff about Survivor, is retweeting real things, has saved Twitter for one week. And so the clock has reset. The Jack Bauer-esque <laughs> clock has reset. Listeners, we'll give them two weeks. Yeah, that sounds. And I'm gonna put it in the. I'm gonna. I'll put it in the calendar. You have two weeks. Destroy one follow. One follow will keep the Twitter account alive. And really, there's like no incentive. We don't do anything on Twitter. We'll respond to you if you talk to us on Twitter. It's like a. I mean, it's essentially a. You know, a direct line to my phone if you want it to be that. But (laughs) otherwise, I'm not doing anything. I'm pretty sure (laughs) that the math here means that we'll be destroying Twitter like on Christmas Day. Yeah, okay. Well, I whether or not that math would actually play out, we will I'll put it down on Christmas Day <laughs> at noon to destroy Twitter. Yes, wonderful. Yeah, I'm I'm realizing so we had discussed doing two episodes back to back today. We are not doing that. We will attempt to get one more out before the break and then just so the listeners know, there will be a hiatus where we are going to go and enjoy the holidays, making precious memories with our various families and you will not get an episode for a bit, but we will come back sometime in January. Yeah. Yeah. So Twitter at pot of tomorrow and then Gmail pot of tomorrow at gmail.com. Yeah. Thank you for listening all year. I wonder, do you think we were anyone's Spotify wrapped? Can you imagine? I guess it would have to be if they like only listen to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did yeah. you, I don't I don't even have like a Spotify account because I am so disinterested in music. What was your Spotify wrapped situation? It, I barely listened to Spotify this year, I think is the takeaway where I was really only listening to podcasts and I don't listen to podcasts on Spotify. So mm-hmm. I think it was like, you listened to like 490 minutes of Spotify this year right. or something. And I was like, oh. Because yeah. in cool. the past it was, it was Lenny's song, right? What is that? Yeah. Classical? Uh... Classical gas. <laughs> Classical gas. Yes. Yeah, I think this year, I can't even remember what it was. It was like something something bizarre, but there was a lot of Caravan Palace, which I usually listen to while I am working. I think my top song was something funny. Hold on. Yeah, I didn't I didn't listen enough to get my own wrapped, but maybe that was my... I just think I don't use Spotify enough to... Yeah, no, they say, no, we don't have anything for you. Go home. We have no data for you. Yeah, my top yeah. song was Sure Don't Miss You by The Dip. <laughs> okay. Great song. <laughs> listen to it seven times. Anyway, I guess go listen to Classical Gas in honor of this episode. Perfect. Yes. All right. So with that, we will see you next week for I Dated a Robot or possibly in January. All right. Bye. Bye.